0: This morning, I'm going to talk about something that I normally actually don't go near for a reason, but I felt like the freedom to go after it this morning. And this morning, I want to talk to you what warfare actually looks like on the other side of the cross. We have so many different interpretations of spiritual warfare. I don't even use the word very often because I think that as soon as I do, everybody's got bam, 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 all these ideas. I mean, I say spiritual warfare, and sometimes I think people see these, these intercessors with headbands on and swords, and it's like, it's like, and then some people are like, think it's another thing. And, and I want to talk to you this morning about actually what it looks like to war on this side of the cross. I've, <laughs> you can tell your excitement. So, <laughs> it's good, it's good. <laughs> I want to talk to you, though, about actually learning how to fight from victory is really what I want to talk to you about because we've got this idea that we have to fight for victory and it's it's really disabling to fight for something that you already have. And I probably actually have a really different viewpoint on warfare than 95% of the people in this room. Um, I I have a very, uh, it's very easy to me because I just know God is that great that I don't have to stir something up And so it's actually beginning just to learn who you are in Christ is really the source of all this. And here's the thing. The name devil actually means accuser. This is the starting point. I promise you, we're going to come out. We're going to be, you're going to be shouting by the end. Just hang in there. But the name devil actually means accuser. And the devil is an accuser whose only weapon left is his mouth. That's why he's called accuser. That's his only weapon. It's his mouth. And so the greatest reality about actually living a victorious life is understanding that the majority of spiritual war actually takes place between your ears. It's the realm of truth versus lies. The problem that we often face is that we don't understand our identity in Christ. Here's the thing. If we don't understand our identity in Christ, you actually don't know how to fight. It's so directly connected. People think I'm gonna fight my way into knowing who I am in Christ. You will never be able to fight if you don't know who you are in Christ. You don't fight into an identity. You fight from an identity. I I know I'm gonna like... I'm hopefully, hopefully going to shift some mindsets here this morning on this topic because on this side of the cross, everything changed. It's not about a weapon. It's about a position. And so it's, it's only when we understand our position in him, it's from understanding our position in Christ that we get to understand our authority in Christ. Look at it from this perspective. Look at it from a workplace. Your position, attached to your position, is authority, right? How many of you know you've got an intern? They come in, they have no authority. They just do whatever. And then maybe if you do good, you get to come in at an entry-level job, you still pretty much have no authority, except for maybe with the interns. <laughs> just because you want to tell them what to do. <laughs> How many know though you hang in there? Maybe you get to move up a little bit to a, to a, a shift manager, depending on the job and what happens? all of a sudden, I have authority over the shift, right? And then you and then you're, you're, you're going up and all of a sudden maybe you get to be a store manager and I have authority over that store. And see, in the work realm it's the same thing. Your authority is attached to your position in the body of Christ, in the new covenant warfare. Your authority is 100% attached to your position. But if all you think you are is someone who's just this sinner hanging on till Jesus comes back, and I'm just saved by grace, and I don't know if I can make it. And the devil says, yeah, I got you. He's, single, he's Man, he singles you off. You ever watch those, you ever watch those, those um, National Geographic shows with like the herds of some like antelope running and there's this one that starts losing it? He starts getting like distracted, pulls over to have something to eat and then the other crew keeps going and you know all of a sudden the camera shifts onto him. Oh, you know it's coming. You know it's coming. It's like, oh, poor guy, poor guy. And then it's getting closer and the rest of them go through the water and they're not worried about them. They're hanging on the one. Everybody, oh, it's life, guys. It, it's life. And so the enemy, all he needs to do is to get you to listen. That's all he needs to do is just to get you to listen. But see, on the reverse side, all you need to do is know who you are in Christ. And then when you actually know that, you begin to understand the authority that you carry in him because authority is tied to a position. And the the sad reality is that churches are filled with people who have hit rock bottom and have no idea what to do next. We've taken scriptures out of context and we've preached them to teach them to hold on. When there's nothing on this side of the cross that says hold on, everything says overcome. Nothing says hang in there. I would make the worst song, just hang in there. I mean, that's, of course, turn on the radio. That's what half of them are, is hang in there. One day you may die and get away from it. I put a little post on the internet, I said, you know, There's this psalm that used to be around, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. And I said, the great news is you don't have to. You can actually experience heaven on earth. You just need to know who you are in him. You have to know your position in him. And so I'm gonna shoot like a rocket at you here in a minute a lot of scriptures. Don't try to flip to them, get the podcast, ask me for my notes, you will not keep up. But we have created a culture where we take scriptures out of the context which they are written, and we say, "Here's how you hang on." I was thinking about this on the way, I didn't put this in my sermon. If I remember correct, the Bible says that you're to be more than an overcomer. You ever thought about what actually more than an overcomer is? I mean, overcomer would be cool. Some of us, if you just get your eye on that part, we would be good. But he actually says you're to be more than an overcomer. I think that the next step up would be an inheritor. Someone who gets to inherit what's already been overcome. You see, he already overcome it. So he said, you don't have to do it again. That's why you get to be more than that. I did it for you. Some of you are looking at me like, hmm. I'm telling you, those of you who came to that workshop yesterday, if we start writing songs about this and begin to reform worship on what it actually looks like on this side of the cross, instead of just all these songs with the world's most depressing verses and somewhere in the bridge, God shows up. And actually be able to say, (laughs) start from a place. You're more than an overcomer. I mean it's a start from there. And, and and there's this what's more than that, it's someone who would inherit it's already what was overcome. I've already overcome things in my life that my child gets to say, I get to be more than that because my dad took care of that. And, and he can choose if he wants to say, I'm gonna live in the inheritance of his victories. We have those kids that want to go redo it themselves. And that's kind of what the church turns into is we want to fight the same battle that Christ already fought for you. And we're trying to get a victory instead of operating from a victory. And he's saying, you get to be the one that don't try to fight the battle again. I already did it. You're more than an overcomer. (laughs) There's nothing more unnecessary than a hopeless believer. There's absolutely nothing more unnecessary than a hopeless believer. The only way that we can be equipped to win this battle is to understand what the Bible says about our identity in Christ. Are you ready? I'm gonna shoot him at you. Acts 17, 28 says, in him we live and move and have our being. John 15, 4 says, we abide in him and him in us. Ephesians 2, 6 says, we've been seated with him in heavenly places. I said we've been seated with him in heavenly places. You don't have to die to get to heaven. And see, the cool thing is, when you begin to understand those scriptures, which are your position, then you begin to understand how you can operate. And once you've got those settled up, you begin to say, in First John four four, Greater is He that is in me than He who's in the world. Romans eight thirty seven. We're actually more than conquerors. Good morning. Are you with me? At Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Matthew 16.19, he gave us the keys to the kingdom. This is actually what warfare looks like. It's actually not that hard. It's just doing it from a orphan mindset. It's so hard. But God, if you love me, Maybe you'll help me through this. If I, if I sing enough, if I read my Bible enough, maybe you'll help me. That's got, that's, there's orphan all over that. And then you've got sons and you've got daughters. You see? my dad's so good. He's already taking care of this battle for me. And all we have to do is to actually begin to realize who we are in him. I'm going to be honest with you. I I preached last week on joy. I have never felt the devil try to come back, I hope I can say this, and kick my butt so bad as after I preached on joy. It was like, boop, 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 like, like get him. Yeah, you say amen. <laughs> <laughs> That's like that person is, never mind. So, <laughs> I love you, Andrew. So, But there's the process at some point where you have to just begin to say, you know what, this is ridiculous. I, this, is, this is, I know who I am. Yeah. And I don't, it's really simple for me. I don't, I don't start going into my prayer closet like, God, give me these new cool weapons. I'm like, God, I'm your son. This isn't fair. No, really, it's not fair. It's not legal. I need you to take care of that. I'm going to get to how, some of the battles we face, and I'm going to talk about it. But we have to understand to abide in him. When we begin to understand that we don't actually fight from our arsenal, we get to fight from his. We don't have to acquire our own stuff, we get his. I remember we used to have a guy in the church who was years and years and years ago, he was an ATF agent. Gosh, he had a lot of guns. And uh, not acquire the fire for all you church kids. <laughs> ATF. <laughs> I can see it. You're like, whoa, which one did you go to? <laughs> Alcohol, tobacco, and firearms. <laughs> and these are the guys who like kick down doors and um, shut down gun shops that shouldn't be open. And uh, I remember one time he told me, he's like, you wanna see what's in the trunk of my car? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> And he's like, check it out. So, like, he has a chain that, no joke, is this big that held his trunk down just far enough to get your hand under it to get to the lock. And so, like, he pops it, goes in there, unlocks the lock, and opens it up. And it was just like, whoa. It's like all the, let me tell you, when I rode around with him, I felt like the safest guy (laughs) in the world. It was like we would be cruising down the road. And it was like, man, dude, take me anywhere. I ain't scared. I know what's in the trunk. There is actually this place in God where you actually begin to understand. It's like, what am I worried about? You understand what God's got in his arsenal? You're in that. And all of a sudden, you're like, what what are you so worried about? Do you know what he has? (laughs) Oh, I'm trying to paint this picture that we have been going through so much of our warring in a pre-cross mentality. When pre-cross, it was it was not about position. It was about works. Post-cross, it's not about works, it's about who you are. And so there's been a shift, and we're still shifting. And after the cross, never again does a believer I want you to wrap your mind around this. After the cross, no believer ever has to fight for victory again. You always will fight from victory. I can feel it in the room. Some of your minds are like, ah, this is hard. The only reason that we would do otherwise is because we don't fully understand the victory that has already happened. the reason that we don't understand it is because we've been taught many of us our whole life that the cross was just to get you to heaven. And thank goodness for that. But that's such a small. Jesus never preached salvation. He preached kingdom. Salvation's part of coming into the kingdom. But it's just a little part. People, that that's all they ever get, they live life miserable. And then we sing songs like we've sung in the past. I remember when my dad used to preach. I heard you preach last night, by the way, Dad. I used to sing songs like I'll Fly Away and those 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 lyrics like just a few more weary days here and there. Boy, that'll get you hyped. <laughs> <laughs> just a few more. Weary days in there. Where did that come from? Which Bible did that come from? Mine says just a few more overcoming days. It's one. I said it's one. I know we know to say that, but do we actually understand what happened? Amen. It says in, I'm going to flip one of these. It's one of the tiny ones. You're back here. It says in 1 John 5, verse 11. And this is the testimony. You ready? That God gave us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. Everybody say, In His Son. son. You got to get this. It's not just His Son, it's in His Son. You don't get anything unless you're in His Son. That little word, in, is important. If you remove that word, in, you're in trouble because then you just have his son but you get to be in his son and he who has the son has life and he who does not have the son of god does not have life so jesus took on the death he took on grave he took on the grave he won he brought us into his family And every believer, whether you're mature, whether you're a baby, whether you've been saved for three weeks, three days, three years, three decades, you get his victory. Don't ever make someone feel like they have to earn that victory. Because then you introduce striving. (laughs) And that's bad. (laughs) Just going to leave it at that. I don't have time to get into that. But the danger we get into when we begin to, well, you know, have you, have you prayed enough over this? Oh, I'm going to mess up some religious boats now. Have you fasted enough about this? I'm not saying we don't need to fast to align ourselves sometimes. But when we begin to make it sound like the victory is a reward for what you do, You just changed the gospel from a free gift to an earned gift. And you've created a bunch of people that now feel like orphans because they're striving. I love your song, There's No Striving. I think you wrote that. Yeah, okay, if not, props. You get to take it this morning. (laughs) Matt Matt wrote this song, There's No Striving. If you haven't got it, go find it. Purchase it, preferably. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, but he has this song. There is no striving. I remember the first time I heard that song; it wrecked me. I mean, it wrecked me because it's the gospel. It's being able. It's it's it is warfare. It's actually what New Covenant warfare is: is being and resting in Him, and knowing your position in Him, and it's from there you win. So here we have Jesus. He's defeated Satan. Paul says in Colossians two fifteen that Satan was disarmed and made a public spectacle. You have to understand from the time and the culture in which they read this. You know they had these big um, what are they called? Yeah, these colosseums and these events and and I, and when there was a defeat it was a big public spectacle they would when when this was written the culture was that you would go all over town just flaunting that you won and humiliating the team that lost when this was written it was it was paul was what i'm going to try to do and, and forgive me if you don't like football hang in there but this is <laughs> This is going to be the best way I can get some of this scripture across to us in today's because we don't have gladiators and all that anymore. And I want to take it from more of like a, a, let's take it from here in a minute, like a Super Bowl perspective. So Paul says Satan was disarmed and made a public spectacle. It also says that he's walking around like a roaring lion in 1 Peter 5.8. Imitation, you you have to get the word here. He's like a roaring lion. Some of you have actually said over yourself all the time, oh, he's that roaring lion. No, he's not. He's acting like a roaring lion. And the thing you have to understand is that imitation is actually a counterfeit of innovation. This is why creativity is so important. Imitation, some people, imitation is the greatest form of flattery. Who cares about flattery? I want to be creative and release something. And so imitation, but here's the thing with the devil. He doesn't have creativity in him. It's not possible, so it's only options to imitate. It's really interesting if you think he's never had a creative thought. The person that we fear so much has actually never had a creative thought in his mind. This makes him sound pretty stupid. He hasn't had one. Because he imitates. I'm gonna look like a roaring lion because maybe that'll scare him. He has no ability to be original. That's one of the reasons that creativity drives the kingdom of darkness nuts. Is because it's a reminder of whose kids you are. Every time you create, you actually remind the enemy, whose lineage you're a part of, and it just drives him crazy. When the scripture says he's like a roaring lion, it should be a hint. He's an actor. Can I? I'm always bad with saying a movie reference, and then I hope that. I'm going to say it anyway, so don't judge me. <laughs> I like those Iron Man movies. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, all the guys are, yeah. <laughs> A bunch of the women were like, here we go. <laughs> my, my wife loves them too. And I think it's like the third one. They have this, I'm going to blow the movie if you've not seen it, so just sorry. But it's been out long enough that if you haven't seen it now, you're lost, all right? But there's this guy in the movie that, long story short, he he looks like this terrorist. He's called the Mandarin. He puts on this, like, weird accent. And they find out this whole time he's nothing but an actor. And then when you came to find out who he was, all the people were like, like, he's like this, I'm the Mandarin. And then all of a sudden he'd be like, don't hurt me. And he, like, changed characters completely. He's like, that's not who I am. I feel like if we could actually get a picture that the devil is not really who you think he is, he has to imitate whatever scares you. He's not gonna imitate something that doesn't bother you. If you've never had trouble with being a drug addict, he's not gonna come and bother you with that. It's never been an issue for me. But whatever it might be, you see, that, that's what he'll come along and imitate. I'm getting ahead of myself. I don't want to get there yet. So here he is. He's been stripped. Everybody say the devil's naked. The devil's naked. And he's disarmed. He's exposed. And he's powerless. Powerless. And here we are, believers that are clothed in Christ, so we're secured, and then we're blessed with every spiritual blessing, it says in Ephesians, so we've been empowered. Think about it again. He's a naked devil. I'm just saying what the scripture says. He's a naked devil. You're clothed in righteousness. He's been stripped of his power. You've been given every spiritual blessing. What's the problem here? Let's put it this way. <sighs> oh, we're going to have fun at the end. I just want to kick this thing because I'm so tired of people being so lied to. Oh, the devil's just beating me up. Well, then don't let him. People, how do you, how do, you do that? Just tell him to shut up and, and, and come back into your safe place. It's not that hard. We aren't, let me, all right. I'm trying not to go too far here. I can already feel it in the room. We actually aren't still fighting the devil if we believe Christ has already won. We're actually enforcing the victory that already happened. All right, so imagine a Super Bowl. This is fun. You know the cool thing about Super Bowls that I, just for me, I think it's one of the coolest things. At the end of the Super Bowl, the one game a year, you don't get to see this. All the families come down on the field. You see them win. You see them break out the T-shirts. You see the three-year-olds in the arm of their big 400-pound dad, and he's holding them, and the kid's got a hat hanging off his head. And you know what I mean? And they're just enjoying life. You know what I'm talking about? The end of the game, like the kids rush down on the field, and you've got this, this atmosphere where what's happening all the families are getting to be a part of the triumph of their dad. This is, this is this side of the cross warfare. You get to go down on the field and be a part of the triumph of your dad. You don't have to go on the field and play the game again. Some of you are like, come on, let's play again. He already won. You don't have to play the game again. You just have to enforce the victory that you already have. But here's the thing, there's still an opposing team on the field walking around and whimpering and whining that they lost, and all it takes is for you to listen, to disengage from the victory, and to listen to the whiners. Oh, and there's where troubles come in. Because some of you are like, well, am I just, why am I the only one that has trouble in this room then? The greatest revelation that we'll ever receive about spiritual warfare that's this side of the cross is that we aren't actually fighting the devil anymore because he's already been beaten. It's that we're enforcing the victory that's already ours. And he will come and try to talk to you otherwise. Doesn't mean that he doesn't come to you. Doesn't mean that he doesn't talk to you. Doesn't mean that he's not right there to whisper in your ear. But you're not trying to beat him. He was already beat. When you got saved, your starting point was victory. You started with victory. Therefore, since the children, this is Hebrews 2.14, therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death. Everybody said, had the power of death. Some of you still think he has it. that is the devil, and might free those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. I'm going to read that again. It's the New American Standard if you want to look that up. Hebrews 2.14 through 15 says that, therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, what's communion about? He himself likewise also partook of the same that through death, he might render powerless him who had the power of death. That is, the devil, and might free those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. Let's, let's kind of bring this together. I've already hinted at it, but here's, here's the question that everybody asks. If the devil's powerless, why does he cause me such headaches? Right? Imagine it this way, you're down on the football field after the Super Bowl, enjoying the victory. It's won, game over. Dad's team won. It's done. You're having a good time, you got the hat on, you got the t-shirt on, and the opposing team is running their mouth. What are they saying? They're saying lies, they're saying accusations, Sounds like a real football game, actually. Same manipulation, (laughs) temptations, they're intimidating. And the problem is when we stop celebrating long enough to listen. This is why celebration is so important. And the moment we begin to listen to their comments, the moment we begin to listen, it's as if we take off that hat and they say, why don't you come out in the parking lot and let's talk about this. <laughs> Last thing you want to do is be with the losing team in the parking lot. <laughs> and you, you go out here, and what, what's happened? Your dad's team still won the game. They're still in there celebrating. You decided to listen to the accuser and then you walked into his territory. And then you say, "But God, where are you?" Oh, he's still right there. And then all of a sudden we think, "Well, you know, I I you know, I don't think that person at church likes me actually." You know, I don't even think the pastor likes me. He didn't shake my hand. He didn't, it's been like three weeks. <laughs> I wish I could just give everybody a quick high five because I, I, I never get time. Um, but all of a sudden, we're leaving the victory. And we're saying, let's, let's just talk about this to the devil. If he has no power, why, is, why do I hear him so much? Well, why do you listen? So many believers have died in defeat in the parking lot while the celebration's happening in the stadium just because they left. He didn't drag you out there. It's all about simply listening and then coming into an agreement. I'm trying to get so much in one sermon. I'm almost done. He has no authority, right? We just read that. So the only way that he can gain any authority is to borrow yours. And the only way he can borrow yours is to talk to you, convince you. And then here's where it gets really nuts. Here's where here's where bad doctrine comes in. He actually tells it to you and convinces you that somewhere down deep it's that evil part of you that's thinking that. And then you begin to condemn yourself. And it is, why, if, If I'm a new creation in Christ, why am I having these thoughts? Now he's challenging your identity. What do you think the first thing was when he tempted Jesus, when he took him into the desert? We think of the three. What about the fourth? If you're the son of God. First thing he did. Remember, he's not that creative. He's using the same tricks. And he said to him, if you're the son of God. He says to you when he starts speaking into your ear and you start listening. And then, like I said, he won't imitate something that doesn't bother you. He's, too, he's not stupid. He's smart enough to know, you know what, you used to really struggle with this. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to come back to you, and I'm going to imitate this because that was what challenged you. And then when you start having those feelings, you start feeling like, oh, no, the old me is coming back. I got to crucify it. It's done. But he gets you to condemn yourself. I'm almost there. The reason that so many believers feel like they have to spiritually keep killing themselves is because there's often a demon speaking into your ear things from your past life. And he's feeding you. And then you've taken it on as your identity and then you can't war from where you used to war from cuz you're losing your authority the victory is still happening though it's just you're out in the parking lot i got to get this picture because it's like when all of our life falls apart it's like what happened to that victory that i was in it's still happening you just walked away It's honestly the greatest mind game the enemy will ever play with you is to convince you that what he's speaking to you is coming from inside of you. And once you believe it, condemnation takes over from there. And the reason, that's, yeah. past struggles, past addictions. I I can feel this in the room. Like as we're talking about this, the Lord's highlighting things to people because you have been trying to kill that thing in you for so long. And what you really need to do is just to come back in to that position. It's not about something in you that's rising back up. It's about something that's speaking in. The reality is, you're the only one who can. You're the only one that can strip you from the victory you already have. You're the only one that can take away your own victory. The devil can't take your victory. You take off your Super Bowl hat. And you put it down because the enemy's convinced you all of a sudden I'm not worthy to wear that hat. My dad was the good player, but I'm not. I feel like a 200-person sozo is happening in the room right now. <laughs> God's going to highlight areas. It's so fun. <laughs> so how do we win? You want to know how we win? Or you just want me to leave it there? I mean, how do we win? Since the only weapon the enemy has is his lies, the only weapon you need is God's truth. That's it. People are like, what's my weapon? Truth. Shoot it how you want, throw it how you want, kick it how you want. It's truth. Truth Truth is all you need because lies is all he has. I said, truth is all you need because lies is all he has. We have made this into this thing. Well, we'll give me the 16-step process. Fine. Truth. Believe is truth. Walk in is truth. I could go on all day with truth. It's truth. Take it, receive it, eat it, drink it. It's truth. When you begin throwing that back in his face, it doesn't work well for him. And his only, his only—that's his name—is accuser. It's not wise one. It's accuser. I mean, it, if someone came into this church and sat down, what's your name? Well, accuser. Whoa. I mean, I'd be like, this is weird. It's like his name is accuser. Red flags. He's probably going to say something that's a lie. John 8, 32 takes care of it. Then you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You just have to know the truth. Here's the reality about warfare that's really hard to swallow. Jesus has already done all he's going to do about warfare on the cross. He's done it all. And This is so hard for people to get because they're like, well, he's leaving me? No, he finished it. He's done it all. It's not an issue of Jesus stepping back in and rescuing us. It's an issue of us getting out of the parking lot and coming back in with the winning team and saying, you know what, I'm not going to hang out and listen to these lies. (laughs) We have to just practically identify the lies, very practically. Practically. Some of you right now, there's been areas that you have been struggling and struggling and fighting and fighting, and you're saying, why does this keep coming after me? Identify the lie. The enemy, his language is accusation. The Lord's is identity. The enemy's language, his native tongue is accusations. The Lord's is identity. So it's really this simple. Identify the lies that you agreed with. Identify what took you out in the parking lot. What was it? What was that one thing that you were having a great time and then that one lie came along and you left the celebration? I can see it hitting some of you. The second step is just to break the agreement. Well, it's so hard. No, it's not. He's an actor. The devil is not that big. And the third step is to come back into freedom. Come back into the victory celebration. You know, I, I didn't I didn't have time to get into this. But there's a difference between victory and triumph, too. And I don't have a lot of time to get onto that topic, but Victory has to do with who won the game. Triumph is what happens after that. Victory is the, you won, good job. Victory is yours. Jesus won. Victory is his. We get it because we're in him. Triumph is what happens in the streets when people are shouting and celebrating. Sometimes it doesn't go so well. But, you know, they're, 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 they're celebrating. That's actually what we're called to maintain is triumph. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the devil's schemes. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, stand firm. I actually think sometimes it's easy to read that scripture and take it from a defeated mindset. I see you like a soldier. Like, stand firm. But I think we often read it as, after you've done everything you can do, stand. I'm, I mean that. I'm not making fun of anyone. I really am not. I've, I, this was something that the Lord showed me because I kind of saw it that way. That's why I'm so good at showing it to you. It's not like that. It's after you've done this, this, and this, stand stand stare him down our object is not to obtain victory it's to maintain victory that's a good closing thought it's actually not what we're trying to do is m- obtain victory it's to maintain victory well that was a lot (laughs) some of you were like (gasps) okay (laughs) Uh, there's a season there's a shift that's happening I'm gonna I think I've told you this before and I'm gonna tell you this again and actually I'm gonna invite the worship we're gonna sing one more song at the end that's how we're gonna close out Um, they're gonna do that song you know that song (laughs) that song that one um we, um, when I was on vacation this last time, I got a lot of sleep. <laughs> and I found when you actually sleep, you have dreams. <laughs> and I was able to rest a lot. Stay with me. I was able to rest a lot. And one of the dreams I had one night was actually of we were vacationing with our friends Jonathan and Karen. And in my dream, Karen was prophesying over me. And I had multiple dreams about this church, actually. I won't share all of them. But the one I want to focus on is, in that dream, she was prophesying of our church, saying, you guys basically are going to be plowing a path to actually show what a new covenant church looks like. Fully new covenant. Every week I'm dropping these little bombs and we're starting to get it more. I believe... I'm just going to speak it out now. I believe they're going to start writing worship songs. That I, I really believe this, that are going to start reforming worship. That are going to begin to take so much of the confusing mentality that mixes before the cross and after the cross, Christianity. If you could say it that way. It's kind of an oxymoron. But, and actually show what it looks like to be a believer what it looks like to be in a position. I think that song, There's No Striving, is actually a song that has got a reformation all over it. But that is what worship looks like. That is what life looks like. But in this dream, she prophesied over this church, said, you are going to be a church that plows the way in becoming a fully new covenant church. And she said, you're going to be huge. She said three times, you're going to be huge, you're going to be huge. The religious spirit hates this stuff. Trust me, I hear about it. About a year and a half ago, I had an encounter with an angel in my room. And the more that I learned, the more I find out what it meant. But in this encounter, I have a gun in my room, (laughs) like for real. And um, I have a shotgun, pump action, Mm. I told Tiffany, I just want you to be able to cock it and they'll run if anyone ever comes in. You don't need to know how to do anything else. Just go, and problem solved. It's just the noise. She's like, I need to shoot through doors. I don't even wanna see them. So, so let's do that. Um, I had a dream, though, in this, and in this dream, an angel came into my room and he, and he, and he there's a lot to it, but basically he took my gun and he was speaking to me saying, I'm gonna change the way you do things, and you're gonna stop trying to battle with a weapon, per se, and you're actually gonna begin to learn how to battle from a position. Where my focus has always been on the weapon and less on the position. When we begin to actually understand who we are in Christ in this new covenant, you'll understand that all I need to do is stay in my position. And then I get to take all Ephesians, all those spiritual blessings, and drop them like bombs. Let's stand up. Thanks for hanging in there. It's a little longer than normal. Before they, before they sing though, um, I just, let's do this. Let's close our eyes just a second. And Holy Spirit, you're highlighting a lot in this room this, mor- this morning. Before we go any farther, I just want you to pray this simple prayer. Father, show me any areas that I have come into an agreement with a lie. I'm telling you, every challenge that you're facing can be traced back to a lie. It's all he's got. It doesn't matter if it's something connected to feeling unworthy, it doesn't matter if it's an addiction, it it goes back to a lie. And sometimes it goes really far back. Just take just a moment, say, Lord, Show me that lie. That lie could have been through somebody just saying something that you took wrong. I can't tell you the lies that we receive that was spoken in innocence and we took it in offense and it just locked in. Whatever the area is, we're gonna just wait a second. Holy Spirit, right now, just search through this place. Just take your flashlight that you're so faithful to do and just highlight even the things that have been just dark for a while. Just highlight it. Listen, this doesn't matter if you've been a believer believer for decades or weeks. be honest how many of you say there's just just raise your hand there's something the lord's highlighted just raise your hand thanks thanks there's hands all over the place now it's this simple it's this simple ready whatever it is in jesus name i break agreement with that lie you can do it come on you need to do that it may be whatever it is in jesus name i break agreement with that right now i break agreement I break agreement with that accusation. I break agreement with that manipulation. I break agreement with that intimidation. I break agreement with whatever it was that he shot at you. I break it. And I'm walking back into the celebration. Some of you have been living in the devil's playground for years. And you have been just walked on. And I'm telling you, There is a grace in this room for a mass freedom. A mass healing. Now, let's do one more thing. So you broke the lie. Now replace it with the truth. Remember? It's actually the truth that's your weapon. So, whatever it was, if you felt unworthy, The truth is, I am righteous because he's righteous. So right now, speak it into that situation, whatever God says about it. He's faithful, he's faithful. Some of you, this is super new for you. It's okay, you're not gonna mess it up, I promise. What is he saying about it? to this victory, let's get back into the place where it's all about a position. I feel so much freedom in this room. Whoa, oh it feels good guys. church gets really quiet sometimes because we get embarrassed, but there's another lie that kind of comes out in worship. You don't sing good or you can't carry a tune. You're his kid. I don't care what you think you sound like. Just begin to sing out your thanks and how much you love Jesus. Right now. Lift your voice. Lift your voice. And the freedom that is happening in this room. Oh, we love you, Lord. We love you. Say it. Oh. Yeah. 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 There is an aroma to your worship. Just keep lifting it. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord.